Robert Combe, our Prairie Doc just walked in the studio and he's ready to answer any questions you might have of a medical nature. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He has worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan Hogan. Good to see you. And I think you continue in your professor role. You love sharing knowledge, don't you? I do. Uh, But why do you say that? I mean, what brought that particular... Well, I'm just thinking you're here, and all the work you do is really to share knowledge. I know you're a physician, but the the knowledge you learned as a physician is most important to you when you share it with others. That's my thought on you. Yes, and, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, that's where it all came from. I mean, uh, you know, uh, if you think uh, healthcare knowledge is you know, an ancient magic of some kind of thing where, I mean, uh, the whole story is to try to bring wellness to people and, uh, do no harm and do good. Don't do harm. Be it, be honest and respect people's choices. And, uh, you know, that's the goal of the, of the whole, uh, uh, profession. And, uh, you know, someone was saying, uh, your book, is it understandable because it's written for, you know, it's written, um, it's geriatrics, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, complicated topics. And I, my whole goal was really to try to make it under, understandable. I didn't think it was complicated. I think your goal was achieved. It is understandable. You know, we've read the darn thing. I have read it and I probably read it more than once. I've oh, different really? chapters. I've oh. gone back. I, I do enjoy it. It's well, the book is life's final season. Uh, a guide for aging and dying with grace. I really told Rick it should have been aging and living with grace, but yeah. we're stuck with dying with grace. <laughs> but it really does give, you know, whatever age you're at, if you read this book, you do have a feeling of how it would be nice to live with grace. You know, uh, it's it was a, f- a fun uh, thing, uh, and, you know, I've reread it and reread it and rewrote it and revised it, and I can't tell you how many times it, I kind of got a little tired of it and um so when it was all said and done you know you're you finally go ah and now i'm making it into a audiobook oh you are are you working on that now i've got i'm all the way through chapter uh eight i'm the the next chapter oh actually through nine. Oh, so you're really moving along right I, i'm almost done except yeah. for chapter 10 that's it's just all these little essays that goes forever you know it seems like it's the longest chapter <laughs> long thing to read and then their last two chapters which are about dying uh if it's a friend of yours or a family member uh, and the 12th chapter is what what about your own dying process so that's those were chapters that are kind of hard to do i mean they're how do you write that correctly i mean uh what is the uh r- where do you research data on that particular topic well there, there isn't a lot of data on that I mean, you know, there is, there's a lot of opinion on that. The scientific data about death is less. Much less, right. I did when I was getting ready for today, and I know tomorrow night on your uh, television program, you're going to um, re-air the program that you did with Lori Walsh. For people who enjoy South Dakota Public Radio, they know Lori Walsh is the host of 
what is she a host of? In the moment. In, in the, the moment. moment. Yes. Right. That's it. And that's on, I think, 11 or 12 in two the afternoon. Two hours. It's 11 to 1. 11 to 1. Five days a week. The woman's <laughs> working. She yeah. is working hard. Bob could appreciate that. Whoa. He's on 6 to, no, he's on 8 to noon or 8 to 11. What no, are you no. on, Bob? 2 in the morning. 6 to 10. 6 oh, to uh, 10. <laughs> we knew. See, I never get up at Started 6, so I wouldn't know at 6. I knew it Others good. who know, no. But that's... That's a lot of hours to, to be on the air, and uh, Lori has interviewed you, and then he, she came to the, your TV show and did an interview of you talking about your book, Life's Final Season. So if you didn't catch that show the first time it aired, and it aired last October, be sure to catch it tomorrow night. And we thought today we would talk a little bit about your book and also about aging and facing death, and we will do that right after these words. Oh. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. Um, not a super happy topic, but uh, to talk about life and death, but talk, talk more about um, how you're dealing with health, uh, life's final season. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, I'll ask both of, both of you. Uh, let's just say that we had this one hour. Of course, you know, you probably wouldn't. Uh, do it on the radio but I mean let's just say one <laughs> one day this is the last day of your life um, how would you do it differently would you call up your family and say I love you I love you I love you would you uh, go skydiving uh, would you uh, how would you do it differently Joan I would just want to be with family I mean whoever was here or call them as you say but to be close to the people you really love would yeah. be the important thing. Yeah, I, you know, uh, hang with people that you love and make sure that they know that you love them instead of yelling at them or being angry with them or being frustrated with them or whatever. Think about your siblings that you might have had a picked a fight with uh, and you're still kind of irritated about this or that, you know. Gosh, maybe it'd be nice to tell them you loved them. Uh, or maybe there's some reconciliation that needs to happen before this day is done. It's interesting. My, uh, I'm one of six girls, and my brother's the oldest. So we have one boy followed by six girls. <laughs> and Bill is the least emotional man you've ever met. I mean, never said anything kind in his life as far as I knew. No, I mean, he was just, he was there. He was Bill, and you just, Bill. I'm the brother. <laughs> and not a loving guy at all. He turns 80 this year. About four years ago, a couple of my sisters called and said, you've been around Bill lately? I said, well, I don't see him a lot. He'll overwhelm you. I don't know if he had a near-death experience or what he had, but every time he's with his sister, you know I love you. Yeah, Bill, good. <laughs> I mean, what? he what? is just Mr. <laughs> love right now. Every, every time you're with him, you talk to him on the phone, well, you know I love you. Okay, Bill, and I love you too. It's just something changed, and uh, he's... Very, very loving. He probably always was, but never showed it. You know, right. one of those stoic. It wasn't that he was a mean person. He just never really showed that he cared about his sisters at all. And it's just, it's right. And he did all along. He just he probably didn't say did. It. He of just course, never he's a guy. Said it. You know, he's yeah, a guy. He's a That's, guy. They're so different than right now. All of the sisters are gals. a little overwhelmed by Bill's love, but we've got it now. Yeah. So it is interesting when you have when you come near death, you or you get older and you start thinking of your own mortality. Yeah. You start thinking of what's important to you and what's more important than the people you love. If, if you do care about somebody and, and, uh, and you say, why, why shouldn't you say I love you? 
And uh, I've, I've said it about a million times more now with this pancreatic story than before. I mean, I've, uh, I've re it, why not? What's holding you back? I mean, are you, you don't want to show a, a, a too gushy of a side of yourself, of course. But this is your last day, you know. Bob, what, what are you going to do on your last day here? Get on my knees and spend 60 minutes trying to make up for all the sins that I've committed <laughs> and the hurt that I've caused. Because the people that I love already know that I love them. So. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's been an emphasis in the church to say, uh, uh, realize your sins and the sins are wiped away and, and uh, you, uh, the emphasis is on the sin. Well, I, I think... You know, we're all sinners. I mean, we're all loaded with things that we should have done differently or coulda, shoulda, woulda, you know, that whole story. Uh, but I think we have to be forgiving of ourselves. Just move forward and try to not be that person in the future is the way to it. That's the way to do it. And, um, and know that uh, we're all in that same boat. You know, we, are, we all are. Anyway, that's the book. The book is about trying to capture what it is about living that matters. And uh, I've said it before and I've said it again uh, right now, and that is that we should all come down with terminal cancer once a year, get cured. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Be cured, of course. Good to be cured. And But it, let it uh, realign our priorities. Okay. You know, when I knew we were going to talk about this, I pulled up your TED Talk. For those of you who don't know, what I'm not even sure, TED Talks are nationwide, and they're just people get up and talk. I, how it ever began, I don't know, but you go to YouTube or to anything like that, and you can find all these TED Talks. Yours ended, and another one came up, and it was a Dr. Mary Neal. Then she was followed by a Dr. Fleischman, and I started watching these TED Talks. Dr. Neal and Dr. Fleischman are both talking about um, after-death experiences. Oh, it's just fascinating. And, and Dr. Fleischman has been an ER doctor for 30 years. And he said, I probably witnessed the death of maybe 2,000 people. Now, it doesn't mean I'm a bad ER doctor, but they do come in pretty, They come in at you know, the end. <laughs> he said, but he said, many of them we do res resuscitate. And he said, the near-death experiences, you need to know this isn't one or two people talking about near-death, but there probably are 20,000 reports and the fascinating thing about them is they all have many things in common. And he said, anyone who's had a near-death experience, one thing in common, they no longer fear death. Because the near-death experience was so positive for them. Right. When, they th when they left their body, they felt that they were, you know, were facing death. And they just were calm, they were happy. They're, they said when they first die, there's a sudden realization of total peace just total peace and calm. And then many of them just think, well, I guess I'm dead, but it doesn't scare them. And then there's a blackness that's comfortable and warm. And these are commonalities of the majority of people who face near-death experiences. Mm -hmm. And then they see a light shining in a distance and all, that light is so compelling, it's drawing them and they're surrounded by beings that love them. And they're surrounded by love. And some that make it close to that light feel an overwhelming presence of love. They just, mm. they, they know they're going home and they're so excited. And one reason or another, they're pulled back to life. 
but because they've experienced this to a person, not one of them fear death, mm-hmm. because it was such a positive experience. Isn't that interesting? It's a fascinating uh, uh, story. There's a ton of those. There uh, are. The uh, Moody wrote a book in the in the in the 70s that I read when I was a resident, and it was it just went over story after story after story. Something like four percent of the people who die and come back will have a NDE, a near-death experience, as they say. Google it. It's really very interesting. There's it a is. lot on the a uh, lot on the internet about it. Uh, and the book by Eben Alexander called Proof of Heaven. Joni is rereading it again because it's one of those things that gave her a great deal of comfort talking about this particular neurosurgeon who had a near-death experience. It was like a week in a coma that they thought they were about to pull the plug and he came back out of it. And uh, his, his experience was so detailed. I mean, it was so plush. And, and uh, uh, I was thinking we're going to get more than one. Well, it was just basically his experiences, the whole book. And, and then it was his analysis of could this be explained by ischemia of the brain? Could this be explained by da-da-da? And it, it comes down to two, the, the question, is our consciousness, you know, our awareness of a wakefulness, our awareness that I'm sitting, standing, I mean, sitting here next to you, looking at you, thinking about this, talking about with you. So you're aware. It, is that awareness a comes from the brain itself, or does is it a property of the universe, such as gravity or electromagnetic force? Is it from without uh, instead of within uh, and or beco- from without becomes within uh, is that is it another definition of what God is and that's what his book is all about uh, is explaining consciousness even uh, it's 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 that whole story that's been fascinating to me and I haven't really analyzed as much <clears throat> I mean, I thought a lot about it when I was a resident. <clears throat> I read that Moody book, you know, but the Eben Alexander book was, was fascinating to me. You're a little more fascinated by it now. It's and you're, you're getting closer. But we're all getting closer. <clears throat> if anyone really, we're going to take a break, but if you want to catch it, if you go on YouTube or on uh, Google, whatever, Google Dr. Mary Neal, N-E-A-L, and you find something like near death, she has at least five or six videos up there about her experience, her near death. And she's, her, an orthoped- her she's an orthopedic surgeon. And she said there is no explanation on how she lived. She should not have lived because she was kayaking and uh, her, her boat was overturned and she was in the water for over between 15 and 30 minutes wow. in rapids. And she knew she was dead. And she came very close to death, but she just had to go back. And, and they and had the same experience. All these described. experiences, but hers are so real and so vivid. I think she's written a book, too. But, um, you know, if you just want to pick up one of them, that's the one to, to catch, and it will just overwhelm you. So, very interesting. Well, the spiritual... Okay, we're all a little <laughs> spiritual in our way. We're going to take a break now, and we'll be back right after these words. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Well, we're getting a little esoteric. What are we getting? Well, I mean, you know, you talked about the faith of the one of the ER doctors Correct. developed as a result of seeing all these or hearing well, all these Well, this Dr. Experience. Fleischman practiced in the ER for all these years. So as it was with uh, Eben Alexander, his faith Same. in God and belief of the spiritual world of, of uh, love and caring. I mean, you know, that's that's uh, something that happened to him as well. It, uh, um, so... I do think that we we should all go to our church or synagogue or mosque, whatever faith it is that you you uh, you feel closest to, and let yourself uh, into it. Open up your heart to it and uh, explore. I mean, it's one place you can think about once a week at least uh, to uh, why we're here, what's going on, what's the meaning of it all. Well, and in your book, again, life's uh, final journey. In your book. You talk about fear can cause suffering, and fearing death, I love that line, fearing death can cause early death. Yeah, I've seen it. (laughs) If you fear death, it can cause early death. It's bad for your health. I I think letting go of the fear of death is really the take-home message. But it's a difficult thing to do for people. We all, most of us have, whenever the thought of our own death comes, we go, oh, panic, get rid of that thought let's just never think that thought because i can't take it and the answer is yes you can take it and it is a reality and we're all time limited and we need to savor the the moments that we have we need to be full on full of life snoopy dancing enjoy every moment care about the people around you realize that the good things that you do live on and that's uh, an important message, I think. It truly is. It truly is. There's uh, so many topics you can touch on with all of this, but one thing that you've talked about before, and it, I think it's uh, appropriate for you to discuss it today, is the importance of advanced directives. Oh, yes. Not just written, but tell us what your thoughts are on advanced directives. Well, advanced directive is uh, you know, the, m- the major question. The big w- biggie is, do you want a feeding tube or not? if there's uh, not a reasonable chance of recovery. My answer is really clearly, no, don't put me in a, feedi- in a nursing home with a feeding tube in, in, a, in a bed that I get um, rolled over, uh, you know, every two hours, that kind of a, a life. I don't want that. But I can put it on a document, and it won't matter that I put it on the document because the doctor's going to do what your family says. No matter That's what your document says. You know, I do an advanced directive, but if I don't talk to my family about it. It's for not. You've got to talk to your family. Make sure that they, uh, you know, m- most of the family will do, do everything, doctor. Do everything. You know, full resuscitation. Well, he's 89, for gosh sakes. You know, he's had a great life. This is an easy way out for him. Well, let's resuscitate him so that this mild dementia gets severe and then, you know, so my point is, we are gonna—we're all gonna die. Panic and fear of death keeps you from being rational about allowing it to happen in a rational and reasonable way. Otherwise, people suffer terribly, dragged through a, uh, a, a meaningless life in a nursing home, laying there not knowing what's going on, or you know, weeks and months in an ICU uh, when you, you know full well that they don't have a chance in. And uh, H-E double toothpick. 
to yeah. continue on. That's yeah. right. Well, one thing also that you've talked about, and I think you've even done um, a couple of essays on, is that there is a way to slow down aging. And it isn't a pill. Yes. And it isn't surgery. No. Whatever could it be. What could it be that mm. really is the most powerful uh, agent? This agent costs very little, if nothing. It uh, makes you uh, stronger. It, de- it treats depression better than any pill. Without a pill, you can treat depression. It makes Amazing. your bones strong. <laughs> it <laughs> raises going. your mood. Wow. It, 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 uh, it gives you an opportunity to, uh, to take in a little vitamin D at the same time in a natural way. It's called... Exercise. <laughs> Amazing. But you you have talked about it often, but and we kid about it. Bob loves to tease you about exercise. Yes. But it's right. Well, it's it, it it's just I mean, you know, it's so much it, it's the human nature way of sitting on the couch. That's our you know, the shortest distance between A and B is the way to get to B, you know what I mean? We it's a natural tendency. Let's find an easier way. Life is too hard anyway, right? Except to say we need to be working these bones and these muscles and this heart and these lungs and this brain. We need to work it uh, in a physical way as well. And if you don't have a job that requires a certain amount of physical activity, we need to fill in with a, a, a method. And it doesn't take a lot, really, a, at least a block a day uh, I mean, a, a mile a day walk, if you can, or 30 minutes of walking at the speed that you're comfortable. Uh, and so I would strongly encourage everybody to find a way every day to get that mile in, you know, of some manner. Maybe it's a treadmill or a, or um, I know people who balance this problem. Get a treadmill so that you've got handlebars on your walking uh Wherever you go on this walk, there's that handlebar right there so you can't fall. It's such an important thing. It's so helpful to us. It makes everybody better. If you can do it, please do it. And also, the longer you delay that exercise, the harder The harder it is. So (laughs) don't delay it. Today is the day. We're going to take our final break. Thanks for listening. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you listening today. We've been, we've, I think we've made light of a tough topic, don't yeah, you? Yes, we have. I mean, it is, it's an important topic to be facing death, to look at death and not be, not be fearful of it. And I hope after this program, many of the people listening will have less fear of death. You know, you know the, uh, the light, you said making yes. light of it. Making Again, light there's of that it. whole story <laughs> of the light at the end of a tunnel. Mm-hmm. You know, and so there are people who have theorized that since near-death experiences are not just something that happened in the recent past, of course, more often since we've learned how to do CPR, but before that, there were a lot of people through the ages who had near-death experiences, and that there are people who theorize that all the world's religions were built around near-death experiences that's an interesting theory yes that uh, that each you know that's why there's so many commonalities between the religions of the world okay so uh, if you go to wikipedia which i i enjoy wikipedia it's certainly been criticized but it's, yes, it has. it's an, an encyclopedia that's kind of constantly moving 
uh, and it isn't always accurate, but there's a Wikipedia um, uh, site on near-death experiences. Oh, go, there is. Go okay. there, Joan. Look at that one. And on it is a painting by Hieronymus Bosch. Hieronymus Bosch was a, a, a Netherlands painter in the late 1400s and early 1500s. And in 1505, he painted, a, he had a lot of mystical paintings, right? And one of his paintings was that of the resurrection of man. Uh, and here is a man naked, floating in a blackness, angels around him, lifting, lifting him up toward a this light tunnel of light with bright wow. bright light at the end 1505 it's the same story it's the exact story that you just described yeah. and so i'm just saying uh it's it's a real deal i'm i'm, I'm not uh, here to say that uh, uh to, to make any comment about christianity or any other religions uh except that there is so much that we don't understand except to say that it is it's good it's a good thing. Uh, the more we learn, if we look at a scientific basis, it makes me feel warm and, and right and comforted. I'm with you. Okay. Totally. Are you? See, we, you know, we're talking about getting older and there's only uh, little time left. But one thing that's been in the news recently and I thought you might want, co want to comment on, as we get older, sometimes we get telephone calls and we don't realize that it might be a fraud. Right. And that ha you get older, you're not thinking as clearly, or you're listening. Right. Tell us uh, what is happening with fraud with the elderly. Right. We are a cordial group out here in the Midwest. None of us ever want to hang up on people. You know, it's, it's hard to do that. Uh, we've been taught to be friendly. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, a lady in a nursing home that was semi-demented, very nice lady, and I came in the room and she said, just wait, and I waited for, for, uh, before the, for the commercial to end before she would turn off the TV. I mean, she didn't want to... <laughs> she, she didn't want to be rude to the she commercial. She did not want to be rude to anybody, right? <laughs> but these people are rude to us because they're interrupting our lives with a phone call when they're asking us to donate or asking us to uh, buy something or whatever it might be. There are a lot of sharks out there and different kinds of sharks in different forms. If you don't know them, do not give them money. Ever. Ever. The one that really bothers me is when they say they're calling for the police, and you don't want to not support your local police department. Right. I hate that. Well, and, and of course, it you, just, it's horrible. If you, you talk to local police people, they'll, they'll say, you, don't, don't, don't donate to, to that. sending money to some, some unknown yeah. entity out somewhere. So, you know, if you really care about your policemen, don't donate when you get a telephone uh, solicitation. Uh, same story with veterans. Yeah. Uh, oh, the veterans. Oh, I that's gotta horrible, too. I got a call for the veterans oh. pack. Don't you care about What about veterans? a veterans pack? I want to have another pack in Washington pushing, the, you know, I forget about it so don't just please don't just say no thank you in your nicest voice and, and gently quickly hang the phone, hang the phone up, up. <laughs> on that note we're gonna hang up this program oh we, we are hope, yes we do what a segue uh, we hope My you've all mind. enjoyed our prairie doc radio program <laughs> and we'll listen again for prairie doc brought to you by the avera medical group brookings follow prairie doc on facebook and youtube for free and easy access to the entire prairie doc library as always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. That's all for this week. 
Rick, thank you. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Bob. Bless you all. And may we have warm light surrounding all of us at the end of our lives. Amen.